Well, hello and welcome to the Connection Point Worldview podcast. My name is Ron and I'm here with Dr. Zach Breitenbach and Pastor Trey Shigley of our Worldview team at Connection Point. And this is a podcast that will hopefully help you as a parent, a guardian, go deeper into places that your students have already gone. It's going to equip you just as it's equipping uh, your students. And so this is a high school series that you guys just started on the problem of evil. Awesome. Uh, this will be a, this is a tough one and really 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 important and so I'm I'm thankful you guys are are doing it uh tackling that problem of suffering and evil. It's obviously heavy and it's a challenging series. So what does the series look like and how did you start off with the first lesson, Zach? Yeah, this this is really hard. Uh it's a difficult series because every week for 4 weeks we're talking about What's what's really the number one objection people have to believing in God, right, is is basically in a nutshell, how can there be a perfectly good and loving God who's also also perfect in power and knowledge? And yet he he lets a world be so broken like our world. How is that even possible? How does that work? Um, And so it's not just an intellectual struggle. It's an emotional struggle. It's something we experience every day. Uh, We all experience suffering. Uh, and, and evil on a regular basis, and we cause suffering and evil on a regular basis. Uh, so it's it's very personal, it's very relevant, it's very practical, and and it can be very emotional and difficult as well as being a sort of an intellectual challenge. So in, in the series, uh, this first week, we started off by talking about uh, what is evil. It's always good to kind of uh, nail that down. Um, and kind of go over some basics about about evil and the nature of evil. And then we, we tackled one other main question the first week, which is um, the, the boldest claim about God, which is, yeah, is God incompatible with evil? Can you have suffering and evil on the one hand and still have God, or does, does evil somehow disprove God? So that was our big topic for this first week. Next week we're going to be talking about uh, a weaker claim, which is, okay, even if evil doesn't disprove God, doesn't it at least make it very unlikely that there's a God? There's so much evil, and it's so bad, and some of it even seems pointless. Um, would a good and loving God, a powerful God, allow so much evil and pointless evil? And we'll also talk next week about more about the m- emotional struggle of evil. Even if you feel like we have good intellectual answers to the problem of evil. What about the emotional turmoil that it causes, and how can we think about that a little bit? And then week three, we're going to talk about hell, um, always a very unpleasant yeah. thing to think about. Um, but but it's very relevant to the problem of evil, right? Because it's, it's, again, this question of given God's attributes, how could he send anybody to hell? If God really loves us perfectly, and he is perfectly good, how could a God like that send us to a place like hell? Um, so that'll be week three. And then week four is kind of a per- particular aspect of hell, which is could God allow anyone to die and be lost without even hearing of Jesus? What about people who've never heard? If God is supposed to be uh, not only loving and wants the best for all of us, but he's perfectly fair and just, you know, how is that fair, just, or loving that there's some people who, who never even hear about Jesus and, and presumably then are lost? Um, so these are heavy, these are heavy, uh, heavy topics. And, uh, 
but they're important, and yeah. we're looking forward to, yep. uh, to going through them. Well, so objections uh, concerning God and evil are lumped into what's often called the problem of evil. But uh, is evil a problem only for Christians and people whose worldview includes a belief in, in God, Trey? Yeah, we would definitely say um, every worldview has to wrestle with this problem, um, even those who don't believe in a God. So, you know, the problem of evil is difficult for Christians because we do believe in a all-loving and yet all-powerful God, and there does seem to be this evil, and so that's what we're talking about in this series. But it's also a problem for atheism as well, because what they have to wrestle with is uh, there seems to be evil, and not just like, oh, it's my opinion that something is bad or that something shouldn't be. No, something objectively like, this is wrong. This is not as it should be. And uh, atheism has a problem with that because they don't have a way of justifying that there is evil in general. Um, It should, from their point of view, just be everyone's opinion. And yet, of course, from our experience, we know that uh, there are things that are universal, that we just know are wrong, despite people's views, despite whatever. Um, And so atheism, their problem with the problem of evil is... Uh, how do they even justify that evil exists in the first place, that we can call something actually evil? So that that's kind of a problem that atheism has with that, and they have to, uh, you know, wrestle through that. But we are focusing mainly on, you know, the struggle that we as Christians have with it in this series. Right. Well, but before we go any further, it's always good to define our terms. How, how would you define evil? Yeah, this is important, and uh, so we wanted to lay some some groundwork before we get into talking about how do you reconcile God with evil by talking about, yeah, what is evil? Um, and so I gave uh, sort of the classic definition of evil. This goes back even to Augustine. This was, um, this was also promoted by Aquinas. This is a very old understanding of evil, and I think an, an accurate and biblical one. But we defined evil as... Uh, you know, some people think of evil as sort of an absence of good, and I think that's on the right track, but we defined it as a privation. Privation is not a word we use very much, but privation basically means when something isn't there that ought to be there. So an absence just means something's missing, something's not there. Uh, for example, vision is missing with a rock. Rocks don't see things. But it's not a privation because rocks aren't supposed to see. Hmm. But in a human... Uh, if you don't have vision, that's a privation because not only is something absent, but it's something absent that's supposed to be there. So evil is a privation in the sense that it's, it's an absence of the way things ought to be. Uh, the way things ought to be is good, and good uh, we understand in terms of God's perfectly holy character. He is the standard of what goodness is, um, and that which departs from his perfectly holy character, which which is the way things ought to be. His commands are the way things ought to be, what, what is good. Uh, that's evil. Um, so we can think of evil as a sort of a parasite on the good, right? The good is already there, and evil is defined in terms of departing from that or twisting it or corrupting it. So it's sort of, it's a, it's a corruption, a twisting, a privation of how things should be, hmm. namely uh, the good. Uh, so we used a couple of like uh, images to kind of give us an analogy of what we're talking about. Uh, so evil is kind of like darkness in a room that's supposed to be full of light. 
So think of this room that's got beautiful artwork, and it's supposed to be very well lit so people can just enjoy the beauty and the goodness of it. Um, But instead of being filled with light, there's an absence of this light. And it's not just an absence. It's an absence of something that's supposed to be there. Um, And so so it's a privation of the light. Or evil is like a missing uh, limb. Like if someone has their leg amputated, they're they're not just missing this limb, but it's, it's supposed to be there. Um, or evil is like a diseased tree, uh, where it's just, uh, it's just rot, rotten, diseased and twisted and corrupted. It's not the way the healthy tree is supposed to be. Um, it's, it's taking that and and twisting it and corrupting it and and going away from it. So that's, that's how we, um, uh, defined evil. That's really great. It's 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 much more robust definition than than just because uh, I think in our culture even we kind of just use evil as like the most extreme version of bad. You know, yeah. if you have a spectrum, you, we'd say, oh, that's bad. But you, we reserve evil for like a whole <laughs> different category. But yeah, and and it's it, one of those words that you you kind of hear it and you kind of sort of know what it means intuitively, but yeah. when putting a definition hard to it can be hard. Yeah. So it's good to actually nail it down and don't just assume we all know what evil means. Right. And try to think of it in terms of a departure from the good and thinking of, well, what is good? Well, yeah. defining that in terms of God being yeah. that standard. That's huge. Well, one thing a lot of people wonder about is this. So, since the Bible teaches that God made everything that exists— and since evil clearly exists, doesn't that mean that God created evil? What do you say about that? Yeah, I mean, that is a good uh, question and probably one that a lot of us have thought about or at least had someone mention to us. Um, and it's very good to understand that moral evil was not a part of God's original design. When God designed the world, it was good. Um, and evil is almost, it's not a thing of itself. It can't exist without the good because it's a corruption of the good. It's an absence of the good, right? As Zach just said. So um, the thing is that God, though, allows evil. He does allow evil. And uh, a part of that is through, you know, what we'll talk about a little bit more here soon, but through free will, giving us free will, he makes evil possible um, and uh, makes it kind of Um, through the gift of free will, it also brings this possibility of evil. And uh, so God made evil possible, but we as humans made evil actual. And so we were the ones that introduced Mm -hmm. evil. We were the ones that corrupted, that twisted, that removed goodness. And so God uh, did not uh, create evil, um, but he did make it possible, and we humans made it actual. Hmm. So evil is typically classified into a couple of broad types. How'd you break that down? Yeah. So as we kind of tried to wrap up getting our, our, our arms around what evil is, it's important to make a distinction between natural evil and moral evil. Um, so what's typically called natural evil is just any kind of suffering that results from natural causes that aren't uh, a direct result of some moral agent, right? So we're talking about things like tsunamis or Uh, diseases like cancer or earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes, that kind of thing, um, which cause a lot of destruction and a lot of suffering, um, but they're not uh, the result of of a free uh, agent. Uh, Whereas moral evil does directly result from the free choice of a moral agent. Um, 
namely humans or angels, right? God is a moral agent. God is, is personal, uh, but God does not uh, do evil um, and is the only uh, free agent that, that does not do evil. But moral evils would be, you know, obviously uh, anything that, that involves a, a moral choice of, of a creature. Hmm. Well, now, now that you've covered some of that preliminary background on evil, you spent the rest of the lesson addressing the boldest of all the objections to God's relationship with evil. Uh, the formal name for this objection is, if I think so, I've got it right here, the logical problem of evil. But for simplicity, you call it the incompatib- incompatibility claim. Uh, explain to us, first of all, what this claim is and then why it's such a, a bold claim. Yeah, so this claim essentially is saying that God and evil are incompatible. Okay. They cannot both exist in okay. the world. Okay. And uh, it, it's the same as saying, like if I were to say, oh, Zach is in Brownsburg uh, right now, and then I would also say, Zach is in California right now. Like those two statements are incompatible. Mm-hmm. They can't both be true. And so the incompatibility claim is saying, well— say you've got a God who is all-powerful and he's also all-knowing, then he would be able to prevent evil. Okay, but then this God is also all-loving, so then he should want to prevent evil. So he's able to prevent it. He should be able, he, he should want to prevent it. Uh, so God, he's willing and able to prevent evil, but there is evil. There is suffering. So therefore, there is no God. Hmm. Evil and suffering prove that there is no God. And that's why it is a bold claim, because it's saying uh, that they are completely incompatible and we know evil exists. So therefore, God must not exist. Man, that's a, I, I can see it. Yeah, I can feel it. And I have had, the, had those conversations and yeah. there's seasons where I've had those those same thoughts. Now, that reasoning might sound convincing at first, but you pointed out this argument makes a couple of assumptions that basically blow up the whole argument. Tell us where the argument goes wrong. Yeah. So there's obviously no direct contradiction between God exists on the one hand and evil exists on the other. It's not like the example Trey gave where Zach is in Brownsburg and Zach is not in Brownsburg at the exact same moment, right? That They can't be true because one is the negation of the other. One is the denial of the other. One is the opposite of the other. It's not true when you say God exists and evil exists. Look, one is not the negation of the other, the denial of the other. So if you're going to bring out the contradiction between those two, you have to make some assumptions. And Trey laid those out when he kind of broke down the, the line of thinking there. And so the first assumption is if God were all powerful and all knowing, he would have to be able to, to create just any world he wants, including a world where there's moral agents with freedom to make moral choices, but they just never do evil, right? It's like, well, he'd have to be able to do that. If you're all-knowing and all-powerful, that literally means you can do all things and you know everything. Right. So surely that's not you know too hard for you, right? You right. could create a world where everyone's free to, to make moral choices, but there's just no sin. Well, there's, there's a pretty much universally accepted uh, problem with that assumption. And, and this... This argument goes back to even the ancient Greeks, a fellow named Epicurus, an ancient Greek philosopher. And it's, it was very prominent that atheists would make this argument and make that assumption right up until about 50 years ago. Uh, but then with the work of, of Alvin Planning, a very good Christian philosopher, 
he's really done a lot to blow up this assumption to now basically all atheist philosophers have abandoned this this incompatibility argument. Uh, and the reason is this assumption we just talked about that if God is all powerful and all knowing, he would he would have to be able to make a world of moral creatures with freedom that just all freely do the right thing. Plantinga says, no, that's that's clearly not true because if you can't make someone freely do something, right? You could make someone do something, um, but you cannot make them freely do it, right? So mm-hmm. God could guarantee the world has human-looking creatures like us, and, and they never sin, but, you know, he could do it by making us basically flesh-covered robots, mm-hmm. and we just always do what he programs us to do, and, and we don't really have freedom. But as soon as you give freedom to a creature— you can no longer guarantee what that creature will do with that freedom. And so uh, that assumption that that just because God's all-powerful, he has to be able to create a world where everyone's free and everyone uses their freedom to always make the same good choices, that just doesn't work uh, because it's, it's at least possible that any free creature that God might make would sin. You could say, well, you don't know that. Right. There right. could be a sinless free creature. I don't need to know it. I don't need to prove it. It's at least possible. Right. It's possible that any creature God might make that has freedom of the will would sin. And the fact that that's at least possible blows up this entire argument. You can no longer say that because God is all-powerful, he definitely can create a world where everyone's free to make moral choices and they always make good choices and they never sin because you can't make someone freely do something and it's at least possible that any creature God might make with free will would misuse their free will. And that alone is enough to destroy the argument mm. because all there's there's another assumption that goes into it. But if, if even one of the assumptions blows up, the whole argument blows up. So that has really caused atheists almost across the board in the last 50 years to give up on this bold form of the problem of evil that says God and evil are incompatible. The other assumption they're making is obviously that if God is all loving, he would want to prevent uh, the suffering evil. He would want, he would prefer a world that is sinless. And I would say, well, all things being equal, I'm sure that's true. God would love for the world to be full of free creatures that are sinless. And let's grant that the first assumption is true, even though we can't really grant that. Uh, But let's say God could make a world of free creatures that are all sinless. Would he necessarily prefer that world? Well, not necessarily, because let's imagine that only there could only be five people in that world. And if he created one more person, they would sin, and then the world would have sin in it. Uh, is it is it obvious that God would have to prefer a world that's sinless, that has just five people in it, versus a world of billions of people that can all love him and enjoy him forever, but yet there's sin in the world. Uh, It's not obvious to me that God has to prefer creating this very limited world with just five people. You say, well, you don't know that it would have to be a limited world. Well, yeah, it's at least possible. It's possible that even if God could create this sinless world of free creatures, there would be some kind of limitations on that world that a good and loving God wouldn't prefer. Mm -hmm. So I don't think either assumption is valid. And, and so this has really just served to, to destroy this argument entirely to the point that atheists have almost entirely uh, given up on it. And you can see why God would want to give us free will, right? If he's a good and loving God, yeah. we cannot possibly love God or anyone else if we don't have freedom. Because you can't, you could program the robot to tell you every day how much it loves you, but I don't think that would 
mean very much as, right. as well as being kind of weird. Um, so to love God or others, you have to have free choice. God created us to love him. That's the greatest command uh, that Jesus gave. And you can't even make moral choices without freedom. Without God giving us freedom, we're not moral agents. We're robots. We can't love. So you can see why God would want to give us free, free will. And once you grant that, uh, no longer can you say, if God is all-powerful, then he has to be able to create this world of free moral agents where, where there's no sin. So you've got people like William Rowe, who's a, a very famous atheist, who's probably written more on the problem of evil than anyone. Just he, he's, This has been a specialty area of his for many decades. And, and he has said, this just doesn't work. You can no longer... Um, make this claim that God and evil Mm. are incompatible. Now, Roe still thinks evil is a problem for God. He is an atheist. He says evil makes God very unlikely to exist. Mm. But you cannot say it strictly proves there's no God. Mm. And so next week we're going to have to deal with this weaker claim that evil at least makes it very unlikely that there is a God, given how horrible it is, given how much evil it is, given how some of it seems pointless. It's just so hard to think there's a perfectly good, loving, and powerful God overseeing this this universe. Mm. That's where we have to go next week. But we've at least destroyed this bolder claim that, that God and evil just can't fit together. So, gosh, that's a lot of good discussion, a lot of good thoughts, and a great start to processing this uh, problem of evil. I myself will look forward to next week a ton. Hope you will, too. We always like to end the... Uh, podcast with a question that parents and students can talk about together as they process the lesson. So, Trey, what would be a good question this week? Yeah, a good question would be just talking about free will. So uh, maybe something like, why is free will an important factor when we think about how God might allow evil and just how that interacts? You know, why does why does God want people that free will? And then how does that affect, you know, uh, evil in the world? Um, and then also maybe just circling back to the big idea, uh, how does the argument that God and evil are incompatible, how does that fall apart? And kind of quizzing them and reviewing on some of the stuff we just talked about. Awesome. Well, if you've got questions about Connection Point, you can go to cp.church and uh, start your inquiries there. Uh, We will be back following up uh, next week here with another episode can be a resource to you, your family, and uh, also fellow parents that you know of that might benefit from this as well. Feel free to pass it on. God bless you. We're praying for you in the meantime.